And a hearty welcome to one and all. We're back in the studio for episode 71 of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind podcast. I'd like to thank you all for joining me on this. Stop you if you heard this before. Rainy day in New York. Yet another rainy day. Somehow we have been transformed into Seattle. Although I've been to Seattle, spent some decent amount of time in Washington State, and it never rained this much as it is raining in New York the month of January of 2024. I guess it's better than snow, right? But this is episode 71 of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind podcast, and if you're checking out episode 71 on the YouTube channel and have been enjoying the content but maybe haven't clicked like and subscribe, I would very much appreciate it if you did so, and then flip on those notifications. Or if you're catching up on episode 71, the audio format such as Spotify, iTunes, or the rest of the other platforms, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, etc. If you haven't done so already and are enjoying the content, click like, subscribe, turn on those notifications. So I haven't done a Muhammad Ali episode in a while, probably since the last on this day, which I believe was uh, 66, meaning not episode 66, 1966, uh, the anniversary of the Cleveland Williams fight. Uh, so I've got my shirt. Dream of beating me, you better wake up and apologize. And the Superman versus Muhammad Ali commemorative cap from the famous one-off uh, 1976 DC comic of the same title, which is a rip. For those of you who are interested, it's readily available on Amazon. Some incredible artwork. Uh, the story is absurd, obviously, you know, a, a mortal fighting against Superman, but it works, it's silly, it's funny, but it actually has a pretty good message, and it puts everybody in a pretty good light, except for the alien race, the Scrub. What a great name, right? The scrub with two Bs. You know, it's one of those where the Scrub is going to destroy Earth, but they're not going to destroy Earth because reasons. And those reasons are that they want to find out who Earth's mightiest fighter is. So then Superman volunteers, all right, I'll take care of these fuckers. And Ali says, I'm, I'm a better fighter than you. You're just a super-powered galoot. Let's go. So the two guys actually fight, and they do it. The, the scrub, the alien race, puts them on a neutral site so that um, Superman is still fucking jacked. He still looks like he's 300 pounds and 1% body fat but he's not super-powered. Not surprisingly, Ali just beats the shit out of him. I mean, he beats him to a pulp. So he then gets to take on the alien races champion, boxing champion. I, it's, it's a lot of weird shit that goes on. But what I like about it is Superman's beaten to a pulp, and then they give him about a quarter of a second, okay, let's give him some Kryptonian sun, and boom, he's back being super again. He can move rivers again in about a quarter second after he's going to die from getting the shit kicked out of him so bad. Oh, that was a great comic. I actually still have a copy. But today is another on this day, very important uh, on this day in boxing history, not just the history of Ali, who, as I have said, is my single favorite historical figure ever. Uh, 50 years ago today, also in New York, New York City, Madison Square Garden to be precise, uh, Muhammad Ali and his rival, frenemy, and ultimately brother to the end. You know, the guys had a very kind of contentious relationship at various points, but 
each man had a deep respect for the other, even if you know, Frazier had moments where, you know, even in later years, he would occasionally say, man, I wish I could rumble with that sucker right now. Um, but Ali and Joe Frazier fought, Super Fight 2, it was called, the second in their famous trilogy. And, you know, maybe some younger boxing fans out there don't necessarily Google everything when something comes up on their screen. Uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder had a trilogy, uh, a great trilogy. Uh, two of the fights uh, won by Tyson Fury, and then the first fight was a draw. Uh, but it was still, it was a terrific trilogy with two big guys going at it. And yeah, Tyson Fury is a much more skilled fighter than Wilder, but Wilder is a guy who is always in fantastic condition, and he has that dynamite in his right hand, so there's always a chance, you know, he squares you up and that's it. Uh, but there may have been some people who, during the third fight especially, that they were talking about other great trilogies. And certainly Riddick Bowe and Evander Holyfield had three tooth-and-nail battles, with Bo taking Holyfield's uh, title in the first fight in 1992, and Evander uh, winning the rematch, and then Bo winning the third fight in, I believe, 1995. And that was a great trilogy because all three fights were up for grabs. And the Ali Frazier trilogy, unlike Fury and Wilder, because the second fight was very one-sided, uh, Fury basically had the second fight. I don't think he dropped around. See, that's the thing, because Fury is such a solid fighter. He's so good moving around the ring. I know he didn't look good against Francis Ngannou, but Fury, when he was at his best or near his best, his ability to move around the ring for such a big guy who doesn't look like he's in particularly good shape, he's really quick. Some of his movements, he almost looks like Vasily Lomachenko, the way that he kind of moves around the ring in a way that most fighters don't. Forget the fact that he's 300 pounds. His in-ring movement is very, very unusual. And um, Ali obviously was known as being the fastest heavyweight by far who ever lived. And more, more so the younger iteration of him, not the Ali that fought Frazier three times, but the Ali of the 60s who started as Cassius Clay, you know, his birth name, and then, you know, grew into this kind of 212-pound magician in the ring. Um, you know, that guy, the Ali circa 1964 to 67, didn't lose too many rounds in his nine title defenses, was pretty much running circles around everybody. You know, was never known as a huge puncher. You know, and even people in the business, like George Foreman, would say, well, I, I didn't think that he could beat me because what's he going to do? He can't punch. Because there's always, a there's always a fear, even among the top-end fighters, that you could get squared up by a big, a, a single shot and everything changes. As George Foreman in 1994, almost 30 years now, was pretty much getting his head handed to him by Michael Mora. Mora was ahead, like, probably eight rounds to one. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, George lands one single right hand, nearly takes Michael Moore's head off, and that's it. Fight's over. So Ali was never known as that kind of fighter. He was a guy that could move around the ring, and he could pepper you, he could open up cuts. He was really good at opening up cuts. He threw those kind of downward darts, and he was usually taller than his opponent. But by the time Ali and Frazier fought for the first, the first time, which was in March of 71, Ali was still in his 20s but he was coming back from the long layoff that's way too complicated to get into in this particular episode. But he was coming back from a very long layoff and he wasn't the fighter, he was still fast. He was still very fast and he could still hit like hell. You know, maybe not the booming one punch, you know, Mike Tyson kind of knockout power or Wilder, even Lennox Lewis, he could still hit. 
and he could still damage his opponents. But he wasn't a guy that anybody was really afraid of. I got to be careful. He's going to take me out with one shot. And Frazier was the champion uh, in Ali's kind of exile period from 67 to 70. Frazier won a, a kind of a tournament. It, it's a little weird that that's how they did it, but they had a kind of an elimination tournament. And Frazier ended up, uh, Jimmy Ellis was technically champion for a while, but Ellis did, was not really the linear champion. And so Frazier was the champ the first time he and Ali fought. It was called the fight of the century. You had two undefeated champions, both in their 20s. Frazier was definitely in his prime. He was as good as he would ever be. Joe was about 26 or 27. As I say, Ali, even though he was still in his 20s, he wasn't quite the same fighter. But the fact that he wasn't quite the same fighter, it's one of the reasons why it was such an incredible fight, because Ali was still tough as nails. I mean, Frazier really landed some hellacious shots throughout the fight, and vice versa. Frazier's face was a bloody mess at the end of the first fight. It was just awful. And he was hematomed all over the place. And, you know, Joe had to, he had to spend a significant amount of time in the hospital. And he was very upset that that was reported because it made him look like, hey, I beat the son of a gun because Frazier, he wanted, it was a clear points win, especially because Joe scored a knockdown in the last round. You know, I feel like he was going to win the fight on points anyway. If he hadn't scored that knockdown, if like the last round had sort of been a close up for grabs, it would have been very controversial because, and this is something you can Google it was very difficult to judge an Ali fight because the nature of the way that he controlled the ring, there was never any other fighter, not even Mayweather, Floyd that is, not his Uncle Roger, who controlled, controlled the ring the way that Ali did. Even as an older fighter, he would win rounds just by the way he looked in there. It, he always seemed to be dictating the action, especially, again, not at the very end, you know, the Larry Holmes or Trevor Burbick, but in this era, there were rounds that he won in the Frazier fight where if you're scoring it and saying, well, I feel like Joe did more and landed the heavier shots, where Ali would win the round. Because he just looked like he was controlling the action, even if Joe landed the cleaner shots. But Frazier won the first fight. He was the champ, the reigning champ, despite, you know, it's one of the weirdest things in boxing history that it was two undefeated champions. And then the question always, well, how could Ali be an undefeated ex-champ? And then that's the story of his three and a half year exile, which I don't have, I can't get into here. That, that's two hours right there. That's like literally a two hour podcast. But Frazier won the first fight and he defended his crown as Ali, you know, tried to pick up pieces and get, not that he wasn't in contention because, you know, theoretically he could have had a rematch with Frazier very quickly, but he wanted to kind of get some wins under his belt and get back, uh, get kind of get his legs back under him if it was possible. And he had a number of easy fights, and then he fought Ken Norton in 73, early in the year, and Norton broke his jaw. And again, Ali didn't look it, but he was a tough son of a bitch. He was one of the toughest men to ever step into the ring, even though he didn't look it. And in the 60s, one of the criticisms early in his career, he's just a pretty boy. When things turn bad, he's not going to have the stomach to, to, to stick it out. And that was literally the opposite. He was one of the toughest people to ever go in that ring. So Norton supposedly busted his jaw in the first round. First round. And it ended up a split decision. There are people to this day that say, yeah, I know he got his jaw broke, but Ali won that fight. He outpointed Norton. Frazier had already lost the heavyweight title to George Foreman, who was Olympic champion, 1968, the Mexico City Olympics. And, you know, Ali and Frazier and Foreman, and to a lesser extent, Ken Norton and Larry Holmes, 
but Ali and Frazier and Foreman were so linked in, in, in the brotherhood of the gloves, the brotherhood, not of iron, but the brotherhood of boxing, combat sports, and the warrior ethos. Muhammad Ali, as Cassius Clay, took the light heavyweight gold medal at the 1960 Rome Olympics. Joe Frazier, Smoke and Joe, took the heavyweight gold medal at the 1964 Tokyo Olympics, and George Foreman took gold at the 68 Mexico City Olympics. So it's like on top of everything else. This was back-to-back-to-back Olympic gold medalists. These were not just random guys who ended up winning the heavyweight title. These were fantastic amateur fighters. In the case of Foreman, a total freak. Foreman had like 18 or 19 amateur fights. That's it, before the Olympics. And he just walked through everybody. He was in the finals against a Russian that was like, well, this guy's got so much experience. George doesn't have a chance. He just carved the guy up. The fight wasn't even competitive. At least, you know, when Ali won it in 1960, the fight was kind of up for grabs going into round three. And then Ali broke the guy's nose in the third round. He was just spurting blood all over. Again, I say Ali was Cassius Clay. And he was only 170 pounds. He was just a tall, skinny kid. But man, he was fast. And he was delivering combinations like a guy, like Willie Pep, a guy who was 125, 130 pounds. He was just firing. So these are three consecutive Olympic champions. George Foreman was not a random bomber who just happened to get a shot at the title. He was ready for it, and he walked right through Frazier. And Ali thought that he won the first Norton fight, but he felt that he could do better, and he took a return fight. As George Foreman was beginning his reign, you know, as champion, and George beat a guy, Jose King Rome, and it wasn't really a very competitive fight. And, uh, and Frazier tried, you know, to get himself together maybe for a rematch against George Nally. In the second fight with Norton, was in phenomenal physical shape. Like, physically, he looked like he was in his early 20s. Norton still gave him a tough fight. You know, Norton was never a pushover. He fell apart against the big hitters. But as much as he had to worry about Ali outboxing him, and Norton, even in his later years, would say this, I knew I could stand toe-to-toe with Muhammad because he wasn't the kind of guy that was going to take you out with one shot. Or nearly take your head off with an uppercut. Or like Frazier, throw a left hook that'll spin your head around, and then 10 minutes later, you're asking your trainers, what just happened? I thought I was fighting tonight. Bro, the fight's over. They're like that kind of thing. So Ali uh, won the decision over Norton in the second fight. And then Norton got a shot at the title against Foreman anyway. And Foreman, just, he just walked right through him. It wasn't even competitive. It was, it was a massacre. As the fight when Joe Frazier lost to George Foreman, the infamous, in January 22nd, uh, you know, the anniversary just passed, uh, January 22nd, 1973, the Sunshine Showdown in Kingston, Jamaica, where champion Joe Frazier, undefeated, went in and Foreman absolutely annihilated him. He knocked him down seven times. And Arthur McCanty, who had refed the first Ali Frazier, did a tremendous job. He's considered one of the great officials, one of the great referees in the history of boxing. He fucked up horribly in the Frazier-Foreman fight because you want to give the champion every opportunity to continue to compete, to not stop the fight. I understand that. But in the second round, after Frazier had already been down a couple of times and he was all over the ring, Angelo Dundee, who was Ali's trainer, and he was at the fight, and this was something that boxing always did well, 
they, they like to have dignitaries from the sport at the major fights. To some extent, they still do it now. But Angelo Dundee was at ringside near where Howard Cosell was, was calling the fight, the, the Frazier Foreman. And after, I think it was knockdown number four, Angelo Dundee was screaming at Arthur McCanty to stop the fight. Like, what are you trying to do? So Frazier was blown out of the ring by Foreman. And Ali and Frazier, the following year, on this day, 1974, I realize it took me quite some time to actually get to this, but there's so much great history between these guys. And Ali and Frazier fought in what was a heavyweight eliminator. And it's just strange that, that Frazier was not given an immediate rematch. Maybe he didn't want one. Like, I don't know the mechanics of that. But by the time Ali and Frazier met on this day 50 years ago for the second time at Madison Square Garden, that's the first fight, March 8, 1971, um, it was an eliminator. And the idea was the winner of this fight was going to get killed by George Foreman. Nobody was giving Frazier any kind of a chance. And as George Foreman himself said, I, I respected Muhammad. I respected what he did and the time that he was away from the sport. He was a man of principle. Even as a younger person, I understood this is a good guy. But he can't beat me. He can't punch. And the other thing George said, kind of half-jokingly, he said, I beat both guys he lost to. He lost to Joe. Tough fight, but he lost the fight. And Norton beat him the first time, also a tough fight, but he lost the fight. And I, I killed both of those guys. I took Frazier out in two. It could have been one. They could have stopped that fight after the first round. And, I, and Norton had no chance. I steamrolled him. So why would I have ever even given it a second thought that, well, maybe Ali's got a shot? No. But he was going to just walk right through him, too. Why wouldn't I? So on January 28, 1974, Two former champions, very prideful men. Frazier was still in his 20s, he was 29, and Ali was now uh, 32. Met again at Madison Square Garden. And the reality is, the first and third fights of the trilogy are extraordinary. The Thriller in Manila, fight three, which took place when Ali was, was champion the following year, is often cited as the greatest fight in boxing history. But part of that, of course, is the history between these two, these two incredible, proud warriors, these extraordinary men who gave so much of themselves in the ring. The second fight is a solid fight, but it, it was 12 rounds. And, you know, to kind of tip your cap to both guys, after 12 rounds of a lot of big shots from both guys, they both look fresh. You watch footage, and you again, what's great about YouTube, you can watch uh, in high definition the 12th round of Ali Frazier 2, and you will marvel at how much their cardio is still there. They both look fresh in the 12th round. The 12th round, and Ali's doing the Ali shuffle, and Frazier is pursuing him like the, like the, the fight just started. Like they both wanted it so bad. Their cardio was incredible. And that fight was easier to score than the first fight. Uh, the general sense, although Frazier said, hey, you know what, the guy just was grabbing all night. You know, he's not really a dirty fighter, but he grabs a lot. You know, Frazier always kind of complaining like that. I don't blame him because Ali did grab a lot. He used to do this thing where he would kind of pull his opponent in and it really pissed Frazier off. 
you know, and Eddie Futch is like, oh, bust him up, bust him up, hit him in the ribs if he's going to do that. And he tried, but Ali was really good absorbing body shots. And Frazier, unlike in the first fight, there were moments in the first fight where Joe lands left hook to the body that would have ended the fight with a normal fighter. And in Ali's case, he usually just kind of gritted his teeth and shook his head as if to say that didn't hurt. Yeah, of course it fucking hurt. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Fighters know when they hit the guy in the sweet spot in between the rib cage and the, you know, the hips. It's usually a fight ender, especially when a guy hit as hard as Joe did and, and had the ability to get his whole body weight, all 220, behind the shots. But Ali ended up winning the fight, and it, it, was, a, it was an 8-4 fight. There was never a moment where it didn't seem as if Ali was in control of that fight. Joe had his moments, and, you know, the two guys, and we're going to include the 14 rounds in Manila. I, obviously, we're not going to get into the thriller in Manila, which is the following year. But Ali and Frazier fought a grand total of 41 rounds. 41 rounds of two of the greatest fighters who ever lived. Absolutely, Frazier is in that category. Joe is a top 10 heavyweight, easily. Uh, you know, and it, it's difficult to kind of gauge Ali because of the way his career was split, but generally speaking, he'll be ranked in almost everyone's top five uh, as far as greatest fighters who ever lived, and usually he's listed as the best heavyweight. Some people will say Joe Lewis can't really take any issue with that. That would have been a great fight with the two of them in their prime, since Lewis was an absolute monster in the ring. Uh, but this was... In 41 rounds, only one knockdown was scored. And you look at Fury and Wilder, and neither of those guys are guys that take a lot of knockdowns. You know, Floyd Patterson was a guy who seemed to get knocked down a lot, jumped up. Even Joe Frazier, to some extent, in other fights in his career. But in 41 rounds, the only knockdown that was scored was Joe Frazier in the first fight. When in the 15th round, with both guys exhausted, Frazier launched an absolute moonshot of a left hook. Anybody but Ali, the fight's over. Fight's over. Especially because they had to both be beyond exhausted. Frazier's face was a mask. His face was so puffy, he didn't even look like himself. It was like misshapen. And Ali's jaw was like on the left side, or the right side, excuse me, was twice the size. And Frazier landed this unbelievable moonshot. Ali's legs went all the way up in the air. Frazier, years later, used to joke about that. Says, yeah, it looked like he was, he was getting lift off. And then the son of a bitch got up. I thought the fight was over. So that was the only knockdown. And there's a lot of literature, and you can check this out online. In the second fight, excuse me, in the second fight, but in the second round, early in the fight, when both guys had for sure all of their energy still going and ready to go at each other, Ali landed a chopping right relatively late in the round, and Frazier staggered and stumbled. And Ali moved in and landed a couple of shots, and then the referee, who was Tony Perez, who actually did a great job, I should point out, if I was going to drag Arthur McCanty for fucking up in Jamaica in the, in the fight between Frazier and Foreman in 73. Tony Perez correctly was cautioning Ali and warning him if he continued to fuck around with Frazier's neck and continue to do that wrestling move that he was doing, he was going to take a point on. Uh, so Ali wasn't really able to do what he had been able to get away with other times. Uh, with, with Tony Perez in the ring. But Tony Perez, at, towards the end of the second round, there were like 40 seconds left in the round. And Ali was giving Frazier the business, and it was a chance that maybe he could have scored a knockdown. Maybe. But even, I believe even that's a stretch. And Tony Perez thought he heard the bell. It was like a Rocky fight where, well, that's not the bell. 
What are you ringing the bell for? There was like 40 to 50 seconds left in the round, and Tony Perez thought he heard the bell, and he sent the fighters back to their corners. The third fight, despite the fact that, and the fight was close after 10 rounds, even after 12 rounds, but by round 13, Joe couldn't see anymore, and Ali just absolutely obliterated. Just, it was horrible what, was, what went on in the 13th and 14th in Manila, but no knockdowns in all of those rounds between those two guys. It was just that one knockdown. And you could say that in the 41 rounds, you want to say who won how many rounds? I don't know. You know, your guess is as good as mine. Those fights are very difficult to score as any Ali fight. And really, any fight with a high-pressure fighter like a Joe Frazier, it's difficult to score. But when they say styles make fights, it's not an exaggeration. Because George Foreman's discussion and talking about, well, Ali can't punch. And I beat both guys badly who gave him a really difficult time, outpointed him, you know, in two different occasions. Big, you know, Joe beat him, and then Kenny Norton. Doesn't really make sense. But Frazier, his MO was, he was just gonna keep moving forward, a la Rocky Balboa, and, you know, not a coincidence that Joe Frazier makes the cameo in the first Rocky movie, he has that kind of great exchange with Apollo Creed, the character based on Ali, when Apollo, you next, Joe, you next, Joe, you next, Joe, great. But Frazier was just going to keep moving forward. He was just going to keep moving forward. And against Ali, that was okay, because Ali was going to be trying to pepper him with jabs, keep him at a distance with the jab, and come over the top with the right hand if he could. But he had to be careful, because Joe could hit him with the left hook either to the body or spin his head around and take him out with one big shot. So there was always that. So Ali didn't fully commit to his punches in most cases. He wasn't stupid, especially at that point. His creep wasn't as fast, and he had to try to stay out of harm's way. Against Foreman, Joe moving in and saying to himself, well, I'm willing to take three shots. You know, with Ali, I could take three shots from the lip. That big mouth, he, I could take three shots, I'm going to get my lick in. Against Foreman, by the time the second punch from George landed, Joe's on the ground. He couldn't take three shots to get in his one lick because George was just too fucking powerful. He was too strong. And that's one reason why, to kind of cover it briefly, after um, Ali got the decision over Frazier, and there was some contentiousness from Joe, but I mean, you watch the tape, it's, it's at least an 8-4 fight. And one of the announcers, if you watch um, ESPN uh, broadcast that, again, is on YouTube, uh, it's not really the ESPN broadcast. They bought the film and, you know, the announcers. But the broadcasters are saying, Ali looks like he's, he's winning this. This looks like it's about an 8-4 to four fight. And it was. So from there, 32-year-old Ali got himself into the best shape he was capable of. And Don King, first-generation Don King, was able to kind of do some finagling and guaranteed both champion, undefeated champion, Olympic gold medalist and undefeated champion, George Foreman. He guaranteed George five million plus a cut of the gate and guaranteed Ali five million plus a cut of the gate. And let's, let's go to Zaire, let's go to Africa and let's make a heavyweight championship fight. And nobody really gave Ali a chance. It's, it's such a cliche. And you hear these kinds of cliches in all sports and you hear it at the end of the game and this is not a criticism, I give thanks to God, nobody gave me a chance, nobody gave us a chance, everyone counted us out, and there's a great boxing term, but you hear it in football, they counted us out, they said we couldn't make it. 
I don't know that a single boxing writer of the day thought that Ali could win. And even Howard Postel, who loved Ali, didn't want him to take the fight. He was probably okay if Ali had simply retired after evening the score with Frazier. You know what, champ? You did enough. You can't beat George. You can't beat this guy. You can't beat him. This is not good. You're going to get humiliated. Your legacy is going to be tarnished more so. You know, you only have two losses. You got a great record. Everybody, you know, you got screwed over there in the 60s. You can lay claim to right now being the greatest heavyweight champ of all because of what you did in the 60s, the ease with which you dispatched nine really tough fighters as champ. No, not good enough. I can beat this guy. I can beat this guy. I love George, but I can beat him. You know, he's slow, he's sloppy, and that's the thing. George had the appearance of somebody who was slow. He actually was not slow. And that was something that Ali found out in the ring. There are some guys that watching them on film doesn't quite do them justice, and both Ali and Foreman were in that category. Because people who fought Ali, Sonny Liston also, early, all that movement looked a lot faster in person than it did on film. You could see from the film, well, he's really fast, even faster in film. Foreman seemed like a plotter watching the film. And you could find some of Foreman's old fights and some of his even um, sparring footage. Um, George had an incredible ability to cut off the ring on his opponents. And that fateful night in Africa, the night of um, October 30th, 1974, Ali's original plan, well, it's crazy. He was going to try to knock Foreman out in the first round. Didn't work. He landed a couple of big shots. George walked right through it. But then he had to kind of switch to a plan B. And part of the reason why he switched to the plan B that night, which was the rope-a-dope, was because Foreman was cutting the ring off with such ruthless efficiency that this slow... You know, he used to make fun of Foreman. He says, I call him the old washerwoman because he throws these wide punches. <sighs> and then he goes, <sighs> like that. And people were laughing and laughing, but he was only exaggerating by a little bit. Foreman knew how to punch clean, but he threw a lot of crazy wide punches. But if you look at the first Frazier fight, he landed some of those crazy wide punches. And Ali knew that if he hit him right, even if the punch came from here and, land and went like that, the fight could be over. So he went to the so-called rope-a-dope out of necessity on that fateful night in Zaire. And it worked. And that was the thing, one of the many things that made Ali special, is he didn't always know what tools to bring to a fight, but he was prepared for everything. And he was prepared to, to deal with a lot of pain along the way. And a lot of, you know, at the, actually, if you look at the, at the end of the first round of the Foreman fight, Ali probably won the first round. But he knew he wasn't going to be able to circle form. He was going to have to take a lot of punishment and hope that George got tired. And hope that while, he, while George was trying to deliver his big shots, that Ali would have a causeway to land straight right hand, to land jabs, to snap Foreman's head back. And he was able to do that. And one of the things, again, like I was saying, that in boxing it was customary for dignitaries to be at the fight. Joe Frazier was going to face the winner. And Frazier clearly thought George was going to win. And Frazier couldn't understand what Ali was doing on the ropes in the early part of the fight. And he was almost angry because he thought his frenemy was going to get the shit beat out of him. He's like, for what reason is he on the rope? That's, he's got to get off that damn rope. What's he doing? 
almost like he wanted Ali to, hey, I, I, I'm looking out for you, buddy. I'm looking out for you. What the fuck are you doing on the road? And then later on, Jim Brown says, Joe, the Jim Brown, the famous football player who was also on commentary along with Brazier and um, uh, Colonel Bob Sheridan and David Frost. Boy, they had a lot of different people. David Frost was a famous, uh, a famous British journalist. Uh, Frost Nixon, same David Frost. But Jim Brown said, Ali's hitting for him even though he's on the rope. And then by the end of the fifth round, Frazier had become a believer. He actually said, my man's fighting smart, real smart. Meaning Ali, he was calling him my man, even, even though they had had so much acrimony, even up to that point. There's so many angry words. They famously had a brawl before the second fight. They had a brawl in the ABC studio, which a lot of people thought was canned. It wasn't. Frazier was really angry. Ali's brother got up and got in Frazier's face. That wasn't really very good. So Ali ended up winning. You know, fast forward to the end, the rumble in the jungle, taking the title from George Foreman. And Foreman and Frazier fought again at Nassau Coliseum the following year in 75. And Frazier really shouldn't have fought. See, there is sometimes even great fighters, the styles are so bad. If you could reboot the Matrix and have Joe Frazier fight George Foreman, prime versus prime, a hundred times, I don't think Frazier wins any of those fights. Maybe one time out of a hundred, uh, he lands a punch that opens such a terrible gash that Foreman, you know, they have to stop the fight. But other than that, I don't think there's any way that Frazier could beat him. He just couldn't. He, he just, it, it, the, the style was all wrong. I just don't see how he could have. But the three guys, in the case of Foreman and Ali, uh, Foreman was really aggravated that he lost that fight, but they ended up forming a very close friendship. And Ali and Frazier kind of still bounced back and forth. You know, there's a lot of video footage of the two guys doing interviews together, you know, like the Today Show in the 80s. And then in the late 80s, there is a terrific, also available on YouTube, a kind of retrospective video called Champions Forever with Ali, Frazier, Foreman, Ken Norton, and Larry Holmes. And with these five guys, so that they made the interview rounds, there was a lot of chatter. And then famously, during one of those interviews, Larry Holmes, who had just gotten obliterated by Mike Tyson the previous year, you could tell Holmes was still salty about it. And he basically said, when they asked him about Tyson, and Ali said, oh, I think the kid, I think the kid's terrific. And even Joe Frazier, uh, Tyson had almost taken Marvis Frazier's head off. And Ken Norton, they were actually very high on Mike Tyson's talent. This was before Tyson lost to Douglas. And when Larry Holmes said, I think that all of us up here, you know, when we were at our best, could have, could have beaten Mike Tyson, you know, it, nobody was jumping to agree with Larry Holmes. There was a lot of hesitation, especially with Norton, who was probably thinking, well, I appreciate the compliment, but that's exactly the kind of fighter I couldn't beat. Throw me up against Ali, at least I got a shot. He's not going to take my head off. But Ali and Frazier and Foreman will always be linked. But more specifically, Ali and Frazier, the men who fought those three extraordinary fights, March 8, 1971, the fight of the century at Madison Square Garden, Super Fight 1, Super Fight 2, on this day 50 years ago, also at Madison Square Garden, and then Super Fight 3, the Thrilla in Manila, where both men 
it was almost as if they were fighting for the championship of each other by that point. Both were so far past their prime, but neither man was willing to yield. And that's that warrior ethos. And Mike Tyson has talked about that repeatedly, how some of those guys in the 70s, Ali especially, they just were different. They were different. He said, I'm, I'm a guy. I'm not willing to die. I don't want to die in the ring. But you look at Ali, you look at Frazier, they were ready to go. They, they were not going to stop. They weren't going to quit. And that was another thing that Ali said about Frazier. When they asked him about the fight form, he said, yeah, Joe just kept getting up. Ali said, you're never going to count 10 over Joe. Never. As long as heart beats. As long as his heart beats and the blood is pumping, Joe is always going to get up. He is always going to get up. He was almost defiant when he was saying that in praise of, of Frazier. And again, the two guys, they had this frenemy ship. Joe saying some really nasty things, even after they seemed to have buried the hatchet. But one of the great quotes that Ali had for Frazier, somebody really, really loved as a man, as a brother, a, a brother in the sport, and just as, as an individual, as a person. The quote was, when God calls me, if God calls me to a holy war, I hope Joe Frazier is fighting beside me. And with that, we have reached the end of episode 71. Oddly enough, 71, anniversary of their first fight, 1971, Ali and Frazier. But episode 71 of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind podcast. I'd like to thank you all for joining me on yet another trip back in time to a different era in sport, a different era in what, what is now known as media, and two guys who brought out the absolute best in one another in that squared circle, in that boxing ring, and put on a trilogy which stands as the greatest trilogy in boxing history, but really it's one of the great rivalries in all of sport. And it's very different. How do you compare Ali Frazier to Ohio State, Michigan, for example? But that's, an, that's a different argument for another day. If you checked out episode 71, on the YouTube channel and you enjoyed episode 71 and haven't yet clicked like and subscribe, I'd very much appreciate it if you did, turned on the notifications, or if you caught up with episode 71 on Spotify, iTunes, or the other platforms, same rule applies. Click like, subscribe, turn on those notifications. I'll be back with episode 72 real, real soon. Take care. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Peace out.